Chapter Twenty Seven of the Book of Snobs. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shalifa Malikem. The Book of Snobs by William Makepeace Thackeray. Chapter Twenty Seven: A Visit to Some Country Snobs. We had the fish, which, as a kind reader may remember. I had brought down in a delicate attention to Mrs. Fonto, the fairy gave the repast of next day, and cod and oyster sauce, twice laid salt cod and scalloped oysters, formed part of the bill of fare until I began to fancy that the Fonto family, like our late revered monarch George the Second, had a fancy for stale fish, and about this time, the pig being consumed, we began upon a sheep. But how shall I forget the solemn splendour of a second course, which was served up in great state by stripes in a silver dish and cover, a napkin round his dirty thumbs, and consisted of a landrail, not much bigger than a corpulent sparrow. "'My love, will you take any game?' says Ponto, with prodigious gravity, and stuck his fork into the little mouthful of an island in the silver sea. Stripes, too, at intervals, dribbled down the marsala with a solemnity which would have done honour to duke's butler the barmecide's dinner to shakerback was only one degree removed from these solemn banquets as there were plenty of pretty country places close by a comfortable country town with good houses of gentlefolks a beautiful old parsonage close to the church whither we went and where the carabas family have their ancestral calves and monumented gothic pew and every appearance of good society in the neighbourhood. I rather wondered we were not enlivened by the appearance of some of the neighbours at Evergreens, and asked about them. "'We can't in our position of life. We can't well associate with the attorney's family, as I leave you to suppose,' says Mrs. Ponto confidentially. "'Of course not,' I answered, though I didn't know why. "'And the doctor?' said I. A most excellent worthy creature, says Mrs. P. Saved Maria's life. Really, learned man. But what can one do in one's position? One may ask one's medical man to one's table, certainly. But his family, my dear Mrs. Snob. Half a dozen little gallipots, interposed Miss Word, the governess. <laughs> the young ladies laughed in chorus. We only live with the county families. Miss Word continued, tossing up her head. Oysters note. I have since heard that this aristocratic lady's father was a library button-maker in St. Martin's Lane, where he met with misfortunes, and his daughter acquired her taste for heraldry. But it may be told to her credit that out of her earnings she has kept the bedridden old bankrupt in great comfort and secrecy in Pentonville, and furnished her brother's outfit for the cadetship which her patron— Lord Swigglebiggle gave her when he was at the Board of Control. I have this information from a friend. To hear Miss Word herself, you would fancy that her papa was a Rothschild, and that the markets of Europe were convulsed when he went to Juicy Gazette. End of Auster's note. The Duke is abroad. We are at feud with the Carabasses. The ringwood don't come down to Christmas. In fact, nobody's here till the hunting season. Positively nobody. Who's is the large red house just out of the town? What? 
the chateau calico <laughs> that purse brown eggs line and drape must yardly with yellow liveries and a wife in red velvet how can you my dear mrs snob be so satirical the impertinence of those people is really something quite overwhelming well then there is a parson dr chrysostom he's a gentleman at any rate at this mrs ponto looked at miss word after the rice had met and they had wagged their heads at each other they looked up to the ceiling so did the young ladies they thrilled it was evident i had said something very terrible another black sheep in the church thought i with a little sorrow for i don't care to own that i have a respect for the cloth i-i hope there's nothing wrong wrong says mrs p clasping her hands with a tragic air oh says miss word and the two girls gasping in chorus well says i i'm very sorry for it i never saw a nicer-looking old gentleman or a better school or heard a better sermon he used to preach those sermons in a surplice hissed out mrs ponto his puseyite mr snob heavenly powers says i admiring the pure art of these female theologians and strives keeman with it it's so weak that no wonder ponto sleep isn't disturbed by it of mornings we used to go out shooting we had ponto's own fields to sport over where we got the land-rail and the non-preserved part of the harbour property and one evening in a stubble of panto skirting the caribus woods we got among some pheasants and had some real sport i shot a hen i know greatly to my delight back it says ponto in rather a hurried manner and hear somebody coming so i pocketed the bird you infernal poaching thieves roars out a man from the hedge in the garb of a gamekeeper i wish i could catch you on this side of the hedge i'd put a brace of barrels into you that i would curse that snapper says ponto moving off he's always watching me like a spy carry off the birds you sneaks and sell them in london roars the individual who it appears was a keeper of lord carabas you'll get six shillings a brace for em you know the price of em well enough and so does your master too you scoundrel says ponto still retreating we kill em on our ground cries mr snapper we don't set traps for other people's bird we're no decoy ducks we're no sneaking poachers we don't shoot ends like that a cockney who's got the tail of one sticking out of his pocket only just come across the hatch that's all i tell you what says stripes who was out with us as keeper this day in fact his keeper coachman coachman gardener valet and bailiff with thomas under him if you'll come across john snapper and take your coat off i'll give you such a whopping as you've never had since the last time i did it at wattlebury fair whoop on your own weight mr snapper said whistling his dogs and disappearing into the wood and so he came out of this controversy rather victoriously but i began to alter my preconceived ideas of rural felicity End of chapter twenty seven